It's the Redirect Podcast. Search industry research, discussion, and analysis from the Black Truck Media and Marketing Headquarters. And now, redirecting you to the Black Truck Team. Welcome to episode 47 of the Redirect Podcast. It's Friday, May 25th, 2018. I'm Jason Dodge, founder of Black Truck Media and Marketing. I'm joined this week by Ashley and Patrick from the Black Truck team. Happy GDPR Day. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, such an event. I hope you all are compliant. I hope everybody's read through all of their update emails, their privacy policy uh, I hope emails. no one's listening and saying, wait, what? What's GDPR? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I've seen a lot of that. Yeah, that's going to happen. I, that's, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's really where I wanted to start is that it should be no surprise to you all that today is the day where the hammer is supposedly supposed to drop and GDPR is the new norm. Uh, biggest changes that hopefully everyone has made is anything related to, I think we've all got privacy policy statements from any app that we use. Um, and certainly by the time of listening to this episode, um, you hopefully changed your settings in Google Analytics. It was something that we made a company-wide decision and anybody we work with directly, even some that we worked indirectly with, there was a, a very much a uh, a statement that we put out and, and how to approach that. And, um, you know, if you have not made those changes now and you are just getting this notification, then your Google Analytics um, data retention policy is going to default to, is it 26 months? 26 months. Which doesn't affect your aggregate reporting. This is something we didn't discuss on the last episode, mm-hmm. I don't believe. Um, so it does not affect aggregate reporting, but it will certainly affect if you're doing custom segmentation and reporting, uh, if you have any kind of user data, events, things of that nature uh, that will uh, impact you. So um, you should probably read up on that, and uh, we certainly have some resources we'll share and link to. And um, if you haven't gotten that taken care of, you probably should take care of it because you cannot, it's not retroactive. Google's going to default that to 26 months, which means anything prior to that is going to be gone in those custom segments. In the custom segments. Again, reiterate, it will be in those custom segments, not in your aggregate reporting. And tell me, Jason, if I decide to go back later and switch that to 50 months, can I get that data back? No, it is not retroactive. So that means the data is gone. Gone. That's gone data. (laughs) Yep, right. So your your aggregate reporting in terms of inbound traffic, you know, is... Being able to go back five years and seeing organic search trends and things like that will be there. Certain user-level data will not be there, which if you're – most people um, probably are not tracking at that level uh, that that I've run across um, unless you're running some some – I would say a little bit more sophisticated reports. So anyways, moving on, what do you guys have to share this week? Um, I'll talk. So I've been um, head down audit heavy lately. Mm-hmm. It seems like mm-hmm. all I've been doing lately is is uh, analyzing sites, technical, yeah, technical analysis, technical analysis of sites, and um, so my brain is real keyed up on finding flaws and errors. And um, I found it. That we have our own process in house here on how we go about doing that, and I feel pretty good about it. And um, was doing some reading and I came across an article that is a 
12 important elements, you know, and it, it's, it actually lines up pretty closely with um, a process. We Some of the stuff here. that we work yeah, on. Yeah. And, uh, there was just a, a few that I wanted to touch on and just kind of do a, almost like a refresher because some of these, um, depending on, um, what your role as a digital marketer are and what you focus on might be, uh, no brainers hmm. or they could be oversights. Uh, so it's some, sometimes it's good to just go back and refresh and talk about the basics and, um, the number one item on this or this article and what's number one in my heart is uh, <laughs> images. No mobile. No. In, in oh. an audit level crawls, mm. a search yeah. crawl. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's the crawl for me in looking at that um, report that comes back out of it, the spreadsheet, looking at it like the matrix, <laughs> I can see so much about a site. There's so much data, and, and ex what we use is Screaming Frog. Yeah. Um, well, I think. Well, I think to, to back that up is that there's. While we'll use uh, Screaming Frog for for some things, there's there's other tools. There's plenty of tools that will crawl. Moz right. Moz Site Crawler, uh, Screaming Frog, Semrush, uh, yeah. SEO CEO or Web CEO. I mean, there's there's a myriad of tools that you can use all for the most part are going to kick back similar yeah. data, but I would say Screaming Frog's kicking us back geeky. What I'll, I'll just yeah. dub is geeky. It's, yeah, it's going to be, when we export it, it's a CSV that you, I mean, you've got to have some knowledge about what you're looking at. Right. It's not, I wouldn't advise someone who's just stepping into SEO to say, right. Oh, everybody's talking about Screaming Frog and I'm going to go, I'm going to go do this. <laughs> yeah. it, it might be a little overwhelming. Yeah. You, I mean, I've been in this game for, five or six years now and, and I've been using Screaming Frog for probably four years and <clears throat> I'd say I'm probably only touching 50% sure. of the power of Screaming mm -hmm. Frog just because there's that much in-depth geekiness mm -hmm. into it that can really be beneficial. Uh, the, on this checklist here, I'd say in the way I operate things, a quarter of it could be associated with what I see in a crawl and the way I personally analyze a crawl mm -hmm. report. Um, a big one is going to be um, status code errors, mm. redirects. Status code errors meaning uh, 200, yeah, 404, yeah, like, 301s, 302s. Right, right. Uh, lately we've seen, um, we've gotten into some discussions with clients and other agencies that we work with about um, 302s versus 301s. Mm. And a lot of people don't realize the difference between temporary and permanent and the message that sends back. Mm -hmm. um, there's even some literature out there that says that 302s are no big deal, and I am in the camp that I disagree with that. And I think that the majority of, of industry professionals that are worth their salt uh, would also agree that given the option, why would you choose that? Right. Did yeah. the page actually go away or the structure actually change? Yeah. Why, why would you even elect yeah. for a 302? The, the pushback that we've gotten has come from um, maybe more of a, the developer end of things yep. Yep. and they might not have the, no knock on developers, but it's a, it's a there is a, a, a communication difference between mm -hmm. what the developer is doing mm -hmm. and seeing versus what the marketer right. is doing. I think that just goes to, to show you too, that if you're, so if you're doing a crawl, what you're talking about in, in <clears throat> kind of the first part of technical analysis is something that you, you most certainly would want to do before you launch into a website redesign. And start to have that conversation with your developer up front on, hey, these are the things that I'm seeing. 
now so that they can be corrected as you move forward mm-hmm. into the new site or right after the fact or in a development environment yes. even to be able to say these are these are the things that I am seeing. We need to correct them. Here's the reasons why. Arm yourself with a little bit of knowledge with the crawl data as well as a little bit of background on why yeah. things may or may not be good. Right, right. Uh, another aspect, uh, this touched on keyword cannibalization, and it's something that I don't necessarily agree with the way the article is written, but the way my thought on it is um, the article is written to um, not have keywords line up on multiple pages, whereas my take on it is have keyword concepts or themes line up across the site or maybe a segment of a site to help prove authoritativeness across the site. You know, you want to be that thought leader on this subject. And if you might have four products that are similar yet different enough to Mm -hmm. be different products, you still need to be seen as a thought leader. So uh, keyword A, which is your default maybe baseline product, Mm -hmm. might show up across several sections of your site doesn't mean they're going to be considered content and I don't see that as they're going to compete with each other but they're going to emphasize and send signals that um, you're an authority on the subject yeah I think I think you're that's really good point that and maybe the article could be better uh, defined that that your your baseline or your seed keyword theme might be kind of synonymous with the site across, you know, so across the board, like, uh, I sell automotive parts or maybe I sell specifically, uh, to the Jeep brand. So I, I sell Jeep parts, but then I, I certainly don't want my pages cannibalizing one another based off model, meaning Jeep Wrangler versus Jeep Cherokee versus. Mm -hmm. So I think more importantly, when you get into some larger sites or you get into your ongoing content marketing strategies with blog posts and and case studies and resources and things like that, that's where you start to get more diversified and you start to get worried about cannibalization and, and and reusing what's, what's going to, you know, what's going to win out. Yeah. And then you start talking about uh, canonical, at that point, you know, if you're worried about two pages being too duplicate of each other, you could um, consider canonical tags to, so you can tell Google which one is the primary. Page. Especially if you have pages that exist that are virtually the same, yep. or could be in Google's eyes because of industry. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 the same exact page content, but it needs to exist for say healthcare versus finance yeah. versus insurance versus you know, right? Um, and that's a uh, working with your internal business process people right on uh, another big one in here is uh, you guys touched on it last week uh, is meta description length mm-hmm. and um, we've been getting played <clears throat> with by Google on that one and it was at 160 characters and then it jumped up to 300 and I was like yeah we're going 300 everybody do it <laughs> and then they jumped back down to 160 mm-hmm. uh, and the takeaway from that is front load your descriptions yep. yeah keep yeah. it you, if you've got those long ones in there, that's okay, but make sure your the important data is front loaded. Mm-hmm. If Google likes what you have there, they're still going to take it and they'll show that front end of the description. It'll be truncated, but as long as the good information is up front, mm-hmm. you're going to be good to go. Still, I would agree. Did you have anything to add on that, Ashley? I mean, you kind of went you went <clears throat> in depth. So other than say, go listen to episode forty six <laughs> of the Redirect Podcast, but. Yeah, I'd say that's it. And we've seen, too, that some descriptions are still 
displaying mm. more than two lines totally um, on SERPs, so you just never know yeah. what you're gonna get. Yeah, yeah. So in the world of of Google tests, uh, it, it's hard to keep up, and that's why our industry exists. <laughs> oh, that's good, and that's what I have there. Awesome. Cool. Those are good things. Yeah, those are. It's it's uh, it gets geeky. It's super geeky doing a site analysis, but you can learn so much by just. Go through the basics. <clears throat> yeah, and I think I think you can use some of the tools, uh, you know, like a Moz crawler. Um, SEMrush does a good job too, uh, where there's a a more graphical user interface that's going to give you a, a, an output to say, hey, there's, you know, we found these fifteen, you know, critical meta crawler errors or meta meta errors, and it's it's you're missing page titles, you're missing descriptions. They're going to yeah. provide you with insights on what yeah. you need to do there. You right. still need to have the technical aptitude on um, how to deploy them, how to write and develop them, yeah. doing your keyword research and things like that. Um, where a tool like a Screaming Frog, even a deep crawl, where you combine those data sets, are going to be <clears throat> probably a little bit more geared toward a, an SEO practitioner right? who really wants to get deep in the weeds. And, uh, and starts to make performance changes and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then your next step, you know, beyond doing crawls and things like that is starting to look at the server side. Yeah. Uh, and going going and doing uh, log file analysis and really understand how Google's crawling your, yeah, it's crawling deep your site. Well, yeah, super deep. Stuff. Yeah. So. All right, Ashley. I'm looking at you now. All right. Well, speaking of tools, um, a, another, another Google tool just underwent a redesign. Uh, Google Trends. Hmm. So this is a great tool for seeing what's trending on a national level, state level, even a, a regional level. If if the data is there, um, different lengths of the time, and even comparing search terms to see what might be used more uh, nationally or in a specific region. And it's great for um, having a visual look at the data mm -hmm. for lack of a better mm -hmm. word and um that just made me remember too um jason you had written a blog post a while back on how um, natural disasters yeah. have impacted search um over time and there are some great um, google trends snapshots in there too to see compared search queries for the different hurricanes that we were looking at so um yeah it's a great tool so i guess i just wanted to to share that update and they say that they've made it more easy to navigate and um, have some updates. I didn't really like clicking around. I didn't really see a whole lot of difference. I, I'd say the, the UI is a little different. It's definitely improved. I think the, yeah. the big changes there are um, comparing it, when you start to do comparisons. Mm. So doing comparisons of search, search terms versus um, interest because they're pulling in interests and right. things like that from, uh, I would say that some of this data is tied heavily to AdWords and, and the, the GDN, the Google Display Network. Um, breakdown by subregions is interesting. So say I want to look at I want to look at one one keyword phrase versus another one mm -hmm. based on um, state and region data. And then um, uh, if you have something that is of of maybe larger uh, interest, uh, you'll also see similar similar searches as well. As Ashley's computer sounds like it's going to take off yeah. over here. This is great. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, the other thing that I saw was that they they had um, thrown in all of their year in search data going, oh, going back to 2001 oh. to, so people could see how searches change over time. So just for fun, I wanted to take a look at that 2001. Oh, what is it? Um, what is it? Wait, can yeah. you guess? Wait, yes. Uh, mm, there's obviously a one world-changing event in 2001. I don't know if that has impacted it. Yeah, I actually don't see... Well, World Trade Center is number okay. three on top trending globally. Okay. Um, so I'm looking at global data here. Um, what cracked me up is that for the list for consumer brands, number one is Nokia. <laughs> mm. so Nokia, Sony, BMW, Palm, and Adobe. Um, oh. Palm is in Palm Pilot? Yeah. Nice. And then the other one that cracked me up was um, most searched MP3 music services. Um, we have Morpheus. Oh, Morpheus. Napster. Nutella, G-N-U-T-E-L-L-A. I don't know if you guys remember that mm -mm. one. Kaza. Oh, yeah. You did make... Didn't use, I never used any Been of these. Been kicked off all of them. Never, <laughs> never used any of these. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, very enlightening. Yeah, I, I definitely was one of those victims of uh, Napster in the Metallica thing. Did you see, I, I am fascinated by the musical groups and the original boy bands in here. It's everything from NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys <laughs> to the Beatles. And, uh, and Lincoln Park. Yeah, well, you, you know. know, and you too. All boy bands. <laughs> All boy bands. All boy. You see the you see the trend. Did so, you just categorize uh, the Beatles as a boy band? I mean, they're boys in a band. It's true. I mean, on a technicality. Uh, well, you certainly wouldn't have been able to find any of the Beatles music on Napster or Morpheus, probably. But although you couldn't, so Windows XP. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. We'll have to I, share the uh, two thousand. I just think it's it's so fun to look back at these and just have that little snapshot of what was going on in the world and what was popular and. Um, based on search, but yeah, Google Trends is a great great tool to use for visualizing data and for your own research, and then also to be able to share data um, with your audience too. Well, I think uh, I think what's what's interesting too is there's a there's a trend in there on Amazon. Uh, so top retailers, Amazon, uh, 2001, I believe fourth quarter 2001 was when Amazon um, posted up their first profit. Actually, too. The only reason I know that is from reading a reading a book. So um, it's not one of those weird pieces of information. Were they <laughs> diversified outside of books at that point yet? Uh, slightly, oh. yes. Okay. Slightly, yes. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they went public in '97. Right. So kind of interesting if you think about where you were at in '97. Right. You don't have to answer that to date yourself. So. <laughs> I will say that the video games. I was not a huge video game person, but Wolfenstein is on there, mm -hmm. and I I may have played uh, some Wolfenstein back in the day. So. Mm, yeah, Dang. fun stuff. Awesome. Um, so check that out. Google Trends has become a little bit more of, I, I think, a, a, an authoritative source. I think when it first came out, it was very subjective. It still could be subjective, mm -hmm. as is a lot of things in search, but... Um, much like, you know, did you cite a Wikipedia source or not because it's publicly, you know, contributed. But um, I think that using Google Trends is is great to be able to make a case and to show exactly what it's, it's designed for, which is what's the trend over time. Yeah. You know, so if you're ever curious about what's happening in your industry, go and drop your industry into that or industry keywords into, yeah. into Google Trends and see, mm -hmm. does that line up with your sales data? Does it sign, line up with um, you know, what's, what's going on in your, in your world. So that's really great. I'm glad to see they made changes there. 
Um, gonna switch 180, go back to a little bit more of the technical stuff like Pat was talking about. Um, I'm gonna talk about robots.txt files. Mm. Oh, that was one. Of, that was one of the items on here that we didn't discuss. No, no. Yeah. So, so good tie-in. Uh, yeah, for sure. What are they? Uh, how they're used, and why you should care about it. We'll kind of wrap that all uh, together here, that hopefully. That's great, yeah. Yeah, so um, there's a couple really great resources that are available. I, I don't need to reinvent this this wheel, but, um, you know, robots.txt file, essentially it's a file that you or your web developer, depending on what stage of your um, technical aptitude you're in, uh, so it's a text file that should have been created, and it acts as a roadmap for search engines. Uh, for the bots, it helps them uh, in guiding them through and crawling your site. So many times it's used to tell a bot whether or not they can access or index particular pages, um, because some pages we may not want to have indexed, like your admin access to your CMS or however you log into your website. or. Um, maybe it's, it's a shopping cart, right? You don't necessarily want them to index the shopping cart, um, or certain, certain things like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Particular folders, subfolders that aren't really necessary for indexing purposes. They just don't, don't, they clutter it up otherwise. Um, so big things are, you know, your robots txt file should be found in the top level directory of your site if nowhere else if mm. if it's anywhere else it's not going to be found that's that where most bots know to go to look uh, and that's everybody from google to facebook facebook's bot even knows if they if they go to a site they're crawling a site because facebook does that um, they even know to go and look there um, they could help prevent what we talked about before, any duplication of content that could get indexed. So, um, you know, very much this notion that, yes, I know these are, these are duplicated, but, um, you know, don't, don't do this. Don't look at this. You can have, uh, you, you certainly want to have your sitemap included in your, in your robots, uh, TXT file, uh, or indicate the location of it, um, a lot of times uh, it can be found at the, at the bottom of the file. It just depends on, on the structure. Um, subdomain and root domains uh, can use a separate robots.txt file. Um, but also there was something recently that came out. Uh, I think it was on Search Engine Roundtable this week. There was some back and forth with uh, John Mueller from Google about... Um, having other domain sitemaps in the robots.txt file. So like if you have a country code, uh, a cctld, so uh, a .eu, .au. Um, So uh, John said it sounds like, reading from Twitter, it sounds like you have a shared robots.txt file across domains. That shouldn't be a problem. We might show those cross-domain URLs as errors in search consoles, but if there are on all domains that should work regardless. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting that Google can decipher the difference. Uh, I don't know why you would have a shared robots.txt file set up, but nonetheless, Google's saying that that's okay. I would certainly not ever uh, see us recommending that. So um, they are publicly available. In most cases, you should be able to go to most sites. Um, and look at the robots.txt file. Um, so good in 
bad because that means that anyone who's smart enough can go and see what pages you do or don't want to be crawled. Hmm. Um, so <clears throat> if there's anything that you want to hide private user database from, there's, there's that. Um, you know, getting back to the root of why do we need robots.txt files. Um, so we talked about preventing duplicate content, um, keeping internal search results pages from showing up. So when you get like question marks and strings and things like that in there, um, that can be a real easy way to go and do it where you might have certain that those search queries canonicalized. Why not just go in and say, well, don't index anything past search string um, because you know it's going to be duplicate yeah. results. It's going to be, uh, again, Jeep Wrangler part XYZ yeah. with a search query uh, with with a search string, and that can happen 50 times. Yeah, and those characters on those URLs get mm-hmm. hundreds of characters yep. long. Yep. Uh, the, the other big one that I know some larger sites will take advantage of is crawl delay. And in order to, maybe you're trying to throttle what your server, what kind of activity your server sees so it doesn't get overloaded. Um, so if you have a site that's extremely, extremely active, like um, Moz's Learn SEO uses um, BuzzFeed as an example or something like that, or I'm Mashable, or I'm, I'm trying to pick on some, like, or any news site, right, that's going to get hammered a ton, um, and constantly updated. Google's probably going through those multiple, multiple, multiple times a day, or various bots are. Um, basically, you can you can throttle it to say, well, I want to give I want to give special treatment to Google, so you get to go first, Google, and Yahoo. You have to wait like four milliseconds, you know. So when the page loads, you have to you have to wait. Um, so checking if you have a robots.txt file, um, simply add forward slash robots.txt to the end of uh, your URL, and uh, you should be able to see it. If your TXT page does not appear, you currently do not have a live TXT page. So you can create one. Um, CMSs will output them. You know, WordPress will, especially if you're using the Yoast. Uh, most people are familiar with the Yoast SEO plugin, SEO for WordPress. You can modify that through there. Um, there are other tools available. Um, specifically directly right from right from Google you can you can do uh, a creation and test uh, within Google uh, webmaster tools as well so um, should be noted that there is a difference between uh, robots.txt versus meta robots versus robots um, the robots.txt is an actual text file and <clears throat> where the others are looking more at directives. So they're looking at, uh, they have different functions. So you're looking at site or directory wide versus uh, individual page elements, if that makes sense. So um, nonetheless, we'll share some, some good resources and insights there, and, and maybe we'll have to go a little bit deeper and, and actually author a blog post that's mm-hmm. specific around um, uh, this this site type of uh, setup there as I fumble through that. So, yeah, but all right, cool. So a lot of things, GDPR, uh, man, I hope you have your Google Analytics settings uh, changed up there. Uh, why doing crawl tests are and crawls on your site are important and certainly probably the first steps in, in heading down the technical SEO analysis portion. Um, 
how can we use Google Trends to understand what's going on in your industry, our industry, um, various places in the world throughout the U.S., and then uh, robots.txt files. So um, check out the show notes, listen to previous episodes of the Redirect podcast, and until next time, good luck. This has been the Redirect podcast. Check out the show notes at blacktruckmedia.com and add us on iTunes and Stitcher.